Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every in remembrance of you, always, every, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy. For you fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have in you my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the difference and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere with, and without offense till the day of Christ being fulfilled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that all that the things which that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the place and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident, my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached? And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I wot not. For I am, <clears throat> for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, 
I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict with which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, and comfort from love, and participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice in me, with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, who will be uh, genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how, how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him 
therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete that, <clears throat> to complete what was lacking uh, in your service to me. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, for any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, and that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Uh, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are humble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, report report of there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy meditate on these things the things which you learned and received and learned heard and saw in me these do and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now that you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even in Thessalonica you did uh, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Thank you, brothers, for all of you that pitched in to read the whole letter. It's generally agreed that the dominant theme in Paul's epistle to the church at Philippi is joy. Sixteen times. Sixteen times the word joy or the verb rejoice occurs. The message Steve had prepared to bring this morning, I believe, was to focus on joy. We will miss Steve and his family today. They are sick with the flu, and we pray that the Lord will carry them through and bring speedy healing. We pray the same for several other families that couldn't be with us due to sickness. I, for one, would like to be encouraged by that message at another time, if the Lord wills. So I'm not going to be speaking on the the text that he had prepared. But there is also a significant secondary theme in Philippians. Ten times in this letter, Paul speaks of being like-minded, or of one mind, or of having a certain mind. And often alongside of this secondary theme, we find the related theme of humility, or lowliness of mind. The message that the Lord has put in my heart for this morning will speak primarily to the secondary theme, being like-minded. We'll consider briefly the primary thoughts of chapter 1 leading up to chapter 2, and then look more closely at chapters 2 and 3, and perhaps a little bit of chapter 4. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great salvation. Your love, your love knows no bounds. And you demonstrated that in Christ. You loved us and demonstrated your unique love. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. I pray that you would take this fact that we know, rooted in history, rooted in a Roman cross, and the purpose for which you sent your son to earth. But I pray that you would make it yet more real to our hearts and give us a greater understanding of your love, of the knowledge of you, what you're really like. I pray that you would anoint this word this letter to the Philippians 
was anointed by you. Your Holy Spirit guided the thoughts of Paul as he wrote to his Philippian friends, the saints in Philippi, the bishops and deacons. This was a well-established church. And you said some very, very important things to them. And I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. I thank God that his word is always profitable. One place, uh, Paul even spoke of, to Timothy of the public reading of scriptures, which is what we just did, reading the whole letter. This is valuable. This is part of our worship together. We should recognize that. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, Paul greeted the church and then began in verse 3 with encouragement. As I said before, we will just kind of go briefly through this first chapter. But I want to hit some highlights. In verse 6, a familiar verse, Paul expressed confidence that he who had begun a good work in them, those he was writing to, would complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That brings comfort to us today. Our confidence is not that we would complete the work, but that God would complete the work that he has begun. However, we will find that he has given us his spirit and therefore the ability to yield to him through that Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit we have power, his power, to live in obedience to him. And we need that power. So when we think of expressed confidence in God that he completes the work that we have begun, we must not forget that that work is done as we walk in obedience to him. In verse 9 through 11, Paul prayed that their love might abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Why is that? Why did he pray that? tells us in verse 10 and 11, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. The knowledge of God's will is intended to bear fruit. Do you recall Steve's message of a couple weeks ago out of Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14? Very similar. Paul prayed that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that. Remember Steve brought that out? Though many translations just say that. The, the structure in the Greek, it comes through that it's so that, in order that. So it's not just that in this verse as well, in verse 10, but so that. And in Colossians, it's so that they might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, which would then bring additional fruitfulness. This is his plan. We must walk worthy of the Lord, 
That's what brings forth fruit. We're us walking in cooperation with the Spirit in our lives, guiding us through His Word. Then in verses 12 through 18, Paul rejoices that the gospel was being proclaimed. It's interesting, very, actually challenging to us. It has been to me for many years. Even when some were doing so with wrong motives, he is rejoicing that Christ is preached. Now, I want to add this thought. In contrast, how did Paul think about the Galatians? Remember the Galatian letter? Epistle to the the church in Galatia. They were perverting. They were compromising. He even referred to it as another gospel. He hastened to say, not another gospel, but they were leaving the basic foundation, which is that later in 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 that letter, he said, have you begun in the spirit and are now being perfected in the flesh? We are to continue in in the same basis in which we are saved. It's by the power of the spirit, walking in the spirit. Nothing else satisfies God. Just like Jesus' righteousness only satisfies God, our walking in that righteousness is the only thing that satisfies Him. He has saved us unto good works, and those good works, that, those, the fruits of righteousness, come as we walk in obedience to Him and walk worthy of Him. In verse 18, uh, just go with that verse that he ends this. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So we can see that even though, in this case, and in contrast to the Galatians situation, that Christ was being preached, it, it was the true gospel. And even if someone's attitude was not right, he was rejoicing that Christ was being preached. Quite remarkable. But this is the word of God. <clears throat> Paul goes on in verses 19 through 26 to say that his rejoicing was because he was confident that in every situation Christ would be magnified in his body. He wrote this letter from prison. These were, uh, this, this letter to the Philippians was one of several letters that he wrote to churches in prison. So he knew that Christ would be magnified in his body, whether he lived or died. So he's in prison, rejoicing that Christ is being preached, even by some, out of wrong motives, desiring to cause him pain. His summary statement in verse 21 should be etched in the mind of every believer. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Though he was ready and desiring to be at home, as he explains in verses 22 through 26, he was desiring to be at home with the Lord, but he expressed his willingness to remain and his confidence that the Lord still had fruitful work to him to do. Therefore, he was confident that the Lord would continue until he was done with him. And and Paul was content in whatever state he was in, including in prison. So he's writing 
to, to increase the fruitfulness of the Philippians from prison. So beginning in verse 27 then, we start to see he, Paul brings out it's the first use of his uh, thought of being like-minded or of one mind. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. This word that trans- is translated mind, with one mind, is actually the verse, or the, sorry, the, it's actually the word for soul. Is most often translated elsewhere in the New Testament as soul or life. But almost all translations recognize that the text here, this letter, is to be ref- it's referring to being of the same mind. That same the form of that word is used in verse 20 of chapter 2, where Paul is referring to Timothy as being like-minded of the one or the, of the same soul. But eight more times, beginning in chapter 2, verse 2, and on through chapter 4, verse 2, the word translated mind indeed means to have mind or intellect. And it seems most clearly expressed as to be minded, to, to have a thought or regard you know, directed or caring for a certain thing. So picking up in, in chapter 2, Verse 1, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? The, The mind of Christ. How was Christ minded? Five through eight tells us how he was minded. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of, of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. How humbling was that? Several thoughts here. You know, this is generally this is you know the time when we would celebrate Christmas as a as a holiday on the calendar, and we think of Christ coming as a baby in a manger in a stable. You know, one thing after another, we think about the the humbling. No room in the end. They push him off into the stable. He's a king, and few shepherds show up, but that's God's way. 
And so we think about, we, we often talk about how that was a humble beginning. But before that, how's that compare to the humbling of leaving heaven, the glories of heaven, his father? Coming not just to be born as a baby in a stable, but knowing that he was here to go to the cross. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I have some thoughts I'd like to share that I just as you think about we've just come through the, the Christmas holiday, the season. Often Jesus' birth, I'm just going to use the word, uh, is romanticized. There's, there's many aspects about it. If you think about it, it's doesn't that take away from the reality of it? And the Lord calls us to have this mind. How can we even have this mind unless we first look at what that mind is? To know what we're, how we're supposed to think. He is our example. We are to walk as he walked. The very first thing he did was lay aside the splendors of heaven. We often romanticize his resurrection. Don't even like to call it Easter. But even his death to an extent to the extent that we romanticize it, we take away not only from the awfulness of it, but the glory of it and the humbling it took to go there. So I pray that today we would give thought to what it took. In this text, in 5 through 8, the Lord's coming as a man. Emmanuel, God with us, is spoken together with his death on the cross, both as part of one great act of humility. When we celebrate communion, we're to, it's to remember his death. Part of this death is his humbling to go to the cross. And we're called to have this mind in us. So I want to suggest that when we think about remembering that we not just remember that there was an event that happened some time back, but consider the event. To remember 
with thought, with mind. Let the Lord, by His Spirit, make it deeper and more real. So that when we remember, we remember what we're called, who we're called to walk like, and whose mind we're to imitate. So when the scripture says in the verses above, let each of you look out not only for your, his own interest, but for the, also for the interest of others. That mind is most exemplified by Jesus Christ coming, humbling himself to die for us. So, in a little different pattern, I think we, it would be good for us to celebrate communion at this time. And then we'll I'll, I'll pick up a little later. I've got a few other things to share. Jesus came, knowing the rejection to come, knowing the pathway led to the cross. But we are called to have this same mind. Because Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. Because he humbled himself to do only the Father's will. He was exalted. But we are called to have that same mind. Lo, I come to do your will, O God. I delight to do your will. Is that the cry of our hearts? The humble heart yielded, considering that the only reason you're here on earth is to do the Father's will. All the time. Do we do that perfectly? No. But do we desire and intend make every effort to walk in the Spirit We're called to have that same mind. And as we walk in the Spirit, we do indeed walk as Jesus walked. That's how he walked all the time. It's because he humbled himself that therefore God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, this is verse 12 in chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Remember that last line of that hymn? Notice verse 12. Therefore, in light of what Jesus Christ has done, as well as in light of the fact that he is now exalted Lord, and we are his, bought with a the price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body. 
Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I want you to know, too, and we'll see this as we read a little further, that work out your own salvation. <clears throat> I believe that's primarily speaking of letting it be displayed, the outcome, the fruit. Because later on you see that his intention is that we become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. It's not to be hidden, it's to be displayed that can only be, happen, though, as we walk in obedience to him. Holding fast the word of life, Paul is saying, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Isn't that amazing, though, that <clears throat> after saying, he said that just after he said, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Laboring on their behalf to bring them to Christ, to preach Christ, and to disciple them. It's nevertheless a possibility that he might have labored in vain. It's not the, first, not the only time he speaks in that terminology. In other letters, He's concerned about the Galatians at that time. And yet, even though that's not a surety that that fruit will remain, that's up to the Philippians. And yet, he says, yes, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He's willing to be poured out. And, and indeed, that's the way he lived his life. And he's rotting in prison right now. And he's glad and rejoicing to be poured out on behalf of them, not even knowing whether there would be fruit in the day of Christ. It reminded me of Jesus coming, laboring for three years to train his disciples, after which they all ran. He knew that. He knew that would happen. Peter denies him three times. Can't stand up to a servant girl. He knew that. He prayed for Peter. and said, when you've returned, strengthen your brothers. It's that same kind of attitude, that same kind of mind that we see in Paul. Isn't that the same kind of mind that we are to have? Nothing else matters except for that we have the opportunity to be poured out for our Lord. Not to have a fine time on the earth. Not to have a lot of stuff or even little stuff. But rather, it doesn't matter. Be poured out. He who was rich, Christ in heaven became poor for our sakes that we might become rich. Rich how? Rich is in Ephesians 1. 
blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And that's where our mind is to be. Colossians 3. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. We too must learn obedience by the things that we suffer. As Paul said elsewhere, filling up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Christ finished his work, but there's yet suffering. We learn obedience as we suffer. Isn't it a fair question to ask ourselves? Are we learning obedience? Are we suffering? Are we willing? Do we take the attitude we see exemplified in Paul? And in the verses following, verse 19, I trust, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all would seem to mean all others seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. It's just a really challenging question I ask myself. Would Paul say that about me? Like-minded. These ought not to be just, you know, oh, uh, melancholy thoughts you know, tender thoughts to make us cry a little bit. And I tear up easily, but that's, that's not the container. Right? This, is, this is a fair question for a believer to ask. Not are we hanging on to the faith by a thread, but are we minded like Christ and walking like that? Rejoicing that we might suffer. Suffer by cutting off those things that our flesh would like so that we would not be entangled that we would be good soldier do we wait until persecution comes that's testing Paul wasn't even sure how it would turn out for the Philippians are you sure how it would turn out for each one of you when tested sorely we might think we'll be okay. Will we? Here's the question. Have we been obeying and cutting off those things that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit would say, this is in the way. This, you love this enough to hang on to it. That's idle. By the Lord's definition, it's something you put ahead of him. Lots of times we think that we'll, we'll do really well in the, in the big situations. Really? Lord taught about being faithful in the little things. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. Now this might strike you as a hard word. I believe it's the word of God. This is how he calls us to live. We can live this way. We can, we can live this way because he has given us the spirit. We don't have to wait until there's major persecution and then we call it suffering. Suffer, Suffer now. Lay aside the things that hinder. 
All the grace we need is available to do that. At every point. Don't be discouraged about it, but do be sobered. Skip on to, to chapter 3 for a moment. Paul says, starting in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency, excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ Remember Steve's message from last week? Is Jesus worth it all? Do we sell everything and buy the field? Do we suddenly do an about face and say, where, where we have been in the practice of diversification? Remember Steve brought that out? We had your bets. We'll, you know, we're a follower of Christ, but we. You know, kind of hang on to enough things that we can turn around and lay our hands on them when we need them. His word is, you're going along, the businessman, the, per, the merchant of pearls. He's doing business from day to day. About face. He finds something that's worth everything else. And he sells all to buy the one pearl. Just the opposite of the world's way. Yes, it is. Count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now note this verse. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind the mind that he just described. We think about, oh, the great Apostle Paul. What? what could, I could never attain to that. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, writes to us and says, therefore let us, as many as are mature, this, this is the definition of mature. Let as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that, even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk 
by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, being of the same mind is not a matter of having the same likes, of temporal things. If the Lord leads us to do something similar, you know, for the same good purpose, and it's walking in obedience to Him, that's great, it's fine. But that's not being of the same mind. Being of the same mind is each one of us having the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. That's the definition. It's a definition of maturity and Paul's mind-blowing verses here. Counting all things lost. Counting them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's the mind that we are to have. Don't let Satan lie. Don't, Don't take it. He's been a liar from the beginning. This is the truth. Let us walk in it. Let us be of the same mind. He goes on to say, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Yeah. We have the word of God on this. This is the pattern. Evidently, we would be able to tell a difference too. He talks of many who walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. The mind that is to be set on heavenly things. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ, and that is where our mind is to be, and we're to follow up then, because we're feasting on that, follow it up with the way we walk having the mind of Christ and following his example. For our citizenship is in heaven, not on earth, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, I join my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. A little odd language, but the so stand fast. So, as he's just been saying, this is the way to stand fast in the Lord. And with one final example that follows here in, in verse 2 of chapter 4. Kind of takes a significant turn here, and he says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Have you sometimes thought that, we don't know what the problem was, but they were at odds. Was he saying, get together across the table and a cup of coffee or whatever and work it out. Decide how you're going to agree to disagree or what. No. No. The same mind it's the same mind he's been talking about all along. The reason they're having trouble is because they're this way instead of this way. If they, if they turn, look 
to the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. First, there's the humbling. If we set our mind on that, if Euodia and Sutiki set their minds, have the same mind as Christ, there won't be a problem. Again, we all stumble on many things, as James says. We can acknowledge that we are subject to it, but don't plan it, don't program it, and don't deny the power of the Holy Spirit to help us walk this walk that he calls us to walk. want to say again that God's grace knows no bounds. If things have been, if you're heavy hearted about things, perhaps godly sorrow would be a good thing. If the Lord is convicted about something, repent. It's a good thing. Let his grace, the same grace that saved us, let that same grace continue to guide us and and enable us to walk as he walked, to have the same mind. May the Lord bless his word.